watched an episode of Coast Guard Alaska this morning and included was a 14-year-old boy with a debilitating illness whose dream was to be a rescue helicopter pilot. He was granted the opportunity to sit in the co-pilot seat and fly with them through the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I felt especially moved that he may never live his dream as most people have at least a chance to do. As great as having a career dream may be though, to truly enjoy this life revolves around knowing this world is not our home and that our identity is only secure as we grow in the knowledge of our place in heaven. One of the greatest battles that men fight is not about who rules a nation, but who rules their personal identity. Inadequacy, vulnerability, and depression are not overcome by a healthy financial balance or by the opinions of men. On Life Journeys today, Pastor Hardika talks about how we are meant to accept and receive our identity and value instead of striving to earn it. Self-respect is established by our freely given divine dignity. I thought of my granddaughter who was also chosen in the Make-A-Wish program and she and her family were given a trip to Disney World where she was the guest of honor at many of their events. Though she has the promise of a normal life, many people do not. It was here that I was moved to one life-compelling thought. We are all going to leave this world, and if what we want to experience in our life here is our great priority, we're going to miss the greatest of all resources for living. Having a dream, a vision of our career or what we want to do with our life is not nearly as powerful as knowing who we are and whose we are, because who we are helps define where we're going, and it greatly helps us in our earthly life journey. As we look at this, please understand this life is not nearly so much about what we make of ourselves, but it is rather about who God is making us to be. Our identity and life goal is not merely about this world. If we know God's intention and design for life itself that has been freely given to us, it can make all the difference in the world. Do you know that you have already been seen in heaven if you're born again? John was taken into heaven and was shown things that must come to pass in the future. Amidst all of the tribulation that this world will experience, he has also shown scenes around the throne of God where millions of people were seen. The Bible says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And I cried with a loud voice, as they all worshipped, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and under the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. It also says, They will neither hunger or thirst any more, and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. You see, you are called to be a citizen of heaven forever, a place of no more pain, fear, hurt, despair, or confusion. Let me tell you how important you are and how great your identity is. The writer of 
The 139th Psalm says, God, you have searched me, and you know every single thing about me. You know when I get up out of that chair and when I sit down. You not only know every one of my thoughts, but you understand them completely. You are intimately familiar with all of my ways, my attitudes, intentions, and secrets. Before any word comes out of my mouth, good or bad, you know it completely. You are all around my life, and you hem me in in such a way that any person, any demon, or any weapon or word that comes against me must go through you. You have even laid your hand upon me, upon every moment of my existence. If I move to the other side of the world, or if I am carried to a place that is completely beyond my ability, even there your hand will guide me and hold me. For God, you have created my very innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I have been made in an absolutely awesome, fearful, and incredibly glorious manner. All of your works are of such unsurpassed distinction that there are no words that can describe or comprehend the totality of who you have made me to be. Furthermore, your eyes saw my unformed body and all of its members before I ever came to be. All of my days have been ordained and determined for me. Every rising of the sun has been created for me by you, and they have all been recorded in your book before any one of them even came to be. By this I want you to understand that this is the life that you have, much of which is hidden away in Christ in heavenly places, but we have the right as new creatures in Christ to, to embrace that and begin to think upon the fullness of what God is going to give to us as our being and identity is fully revealed. The writer of these words admitted that such knowledge of his being and identity was far too high for him to understand. It is a knowledge that were we to know every day of our future, or even one day, we wouldn't know how to handle it or even understand the big question, why? So our lives were designed to be lived in a union, a fellowship, and a leading from God. Now make sure that you don't try to define this life merely by what you can see, hear, feel, touch, and taste in this world. Your life is so much greater. Lord, I ask you to take your great and loving knowledge of me, and as a father knows his son, apply to my life what I need to know and to have you to be pleased with me, to be what and who you want, and I trust that you will use your knowledge of me to apply your wisdom and ways in my life with your understanding. I think the writer realizes that God knows how and why he struggles more than any other. I think the writer realizes that God knows how and why he struggles more than anyone else knows, and even more than he knows himself for sure. He will use his knowledge of the writer and of each of us to tailor his shaping us in ways that we can handle and rest in without feeling his disdain or with 
us feeling compelled from our own fears and inadequacy. The psalmist would say, Lord, I trust you to search my soul and reveal to me your knowledge in ways that I can handle, because you do know me. I see the psalmist declaring an absolute openness with God. He wants to go completely beyond and away from playing defensive, proud, or fearless games. He does not want to compromise, nor does he want to use this intimate, honest, and humble fellowship and communion with God to somehow trick himself into any license to remain immature. He wants none of the poor me type of attitude with his God, and he knows he's safe in living in sight of God because there is this trust that assures him that this is not going to be a miserable, horrible, have-no-joy-in-life kind of a walk. Knowing God this intimately, completely, and restfully allows him to have power in this world. Because of this, he and all of us can have power over every assault because we know who we are being made to be and that God sees us in heaven and what he is making us to be. Our life really is not about what we can make of ourselves. It's all about learning to accept what God has already made us to be as those who are born again. God knows every single thing about all of our ways, our thoughts, and our motives. And in all of this intimate knowledge, He has loved us, and knows exactly what we need. He knows how to look beyond our faults, and to bring us to exactly where He has created us to be. Thanks for listening to Life Journeys. Tell a friend, and have a great day.